do, we direct our eyes on you and our ears and our minds and our hearts. And we ask you to speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. In the mighty name of Jesus, all God's people say, amen. Amen and good morning, everyone. We are excited to continue our series. We've been going through the book of Hebrews for the past 12 weeks. We are finally at Hebrews chapter 13. We've gone through the entire book of Hebrews. And if you haven't been with us, it's been a great experience where it really kind of challenged us to to dig in deeper, really think through uh, specifically exactly what we believe and what that means for our life. And so today we get an opportunity to kind of look at the concluding words in the book of Hebrews chapter 13. So I want to I read one verse, but we're going to read the entire chapter today. But I want to read one verse uh, or a couple verses here in chapter 13 that I think is kind of the sums up the book and the closing thoughts that I want to leave you with today. It says this, in Hebrews 13, 15, and 16. It says this. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. The fruit of lips that openly profess his name. And do not forget to do good and, share, and to share with others. For such sacrifices, God is pleased. And that, that is really a beautiful summation of kind of the entire book, what we take away from this book of Hebrews, talking about our lives continuing to be a sacrifice of praise, a sacrifice of praise. And so today I want to think a little bit about what that looks like. Um, I am fascinated by one individual that happens to be the greatest athlete in America right now. This 12-time champion, year after year, dominates the competition, and nobody else can stand up to the champion right here, Joey Chestnut, of competitive eating. Has anybody ever heard of Joey Chestnut? Okay. Joey Chestnut, this past year, won his 12th hot dog eating contest on the 4th of July. Uh, we are having a cookout after service today, and I have a pack of, we have a pack of 80 hot dogs, so you can break his record today if you want to. But he got 74 hot dogs in 2008, bun and all, in 10 minutes. Okay? All right, all right. This, this is pretty crazy, right? 10 minutes, 74 hot dogs, bun and all. He won or broke his own record that he's broken multiple times. And um, he is a 12-time champ. So in order to train for this, what Joey Chestnut does is I, I saw a little clip of him. I will spare you this clip. I'm not going to show you this. But he is like, he takes this like rubber ball and he... He chews it as fast as he can and over and over and over and over to practice building up his jaw to the point where he can, he can eat really, really fast and consume things extremely fast. He does other exercises that he has de de developed. I mean, he's a pioneer in this sport. He developed like where he practiced 
uh, multiple times, hours a day, gulping air over and over so he can kind of expand his, you know, uh, his gullet, I guess. I don't know. I don't know exactly what, he, what he's doing there. I've never participated in this. And then he travels the world. He, I, I, so I heard him talking about and explaining how he's sick all the time. He's got all kinds of physical ailments. He goes and he eats disgusting food all over the world. He has people showing up to, with him at restaurants trying to challenge him. And he does all of this for around $200,000 a year. Okay, Not a bad income. Pretty good income. But he does all of this and puts his body through all of this stuff. He said he sacrificed so much. He travels the world. He's every weekend doing a different carnival type event somewhere. And the question I might ask, and you might ask as well, is why do you sacrifice all of that for being the world champ at eating? Okay? Anybody, you know, doesn't sound like fun to me. Professional golfer, that sounds like fun. Okay, I'll travel the world and play golf. Travel the world and eat 70 hot dogs in 10 minutes? No, thank you. But there are people, and this is true about humanity, there are people that do amazing things and sacrifice in amazing ways to accomplish something that they would call, you know, kind of like that, that is important to them, to accomplish a particular goal, to, to be the greatest at one particular thing. Joey Chestnut does it in eating, and he's the best in the world. This verse that we're talking about today, and the words that we're talking about today, kind of puts at us and asks us, what are you sacrificing in your life? What is your life all about? What is it in your life that you put your time, attention, energy towards where you say, that is what I'm going to give my life to. Because really, we understand, and we've talked a little bit about sacrifice throughout this entire book, is that sacrifice is really just making a choice between two different things. Am am I going to, you know, follow down this path or this path? If I'm going to be a great athlete, I need to sacrifice some of my time and freedom to train if I'm going to be financially wealthy, i got to pursue this career and i got to work hard and do those kinds of things. Sacrifice is really kind of just making a choice as to what is most important to you. And these verses at the end of this long book, not, not that long, but it's been long for us for 13 weeks. But as we've been going through it, it's been saying, you've, we've, we've talked about all these things. We've talked about what is important. And so now, this, let this concluding thought come to you. Therefore, as a result, may you offer, continue, continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. Understand a little bit of the language that goes behind that. Because the whole book has been, been demonstrating and showing us all about kind of the Old Testament sacrifices that were made. That they went and they would make an actual sacrifice animal sacrifice to to pay for their sins this is something they did throughout the old testament and we understand and saw through the book of hebrews where it says now jesus was that ultimate sacrifice on our behalf and so it's a new time and a new covenant but it's saying now and the challenge to us is what is it that your life 
What is it the sacrifice that you will pursue in your life? And what a beautiful picture it's giving us to say, let your life be a sacrifice of praise. A sacrifice of praise. A picture almost of a beautiful song. A picture almost of a life lived and other people see it and say, wow, look at that life. That life is a picture of somebody giving it to God because they know what's important to them. A picture of the sacrifice of praise. And that's a beautiful compilation. It's a beautiful image to the world that we say, my life is this kind of, it's this praise offering. It's this beautiful song to God. And this is what my, my life is going to be about. And so that's kind of the, the context. We'll read the entire chapter and give a little bit of the backstory here and all, this, all the other things that surround it. But I, that's really the lasting thought that the author of the book of Hebrews is giving us. Let your life be a continual sacrifice of praise. Let's go ahead and read um, Hebrews chapter 13. I'm going to start in verse 1 and we'll kind of read through it in a few different sections and, and make comments as we go. But let's read verse 1. If you have our, your Bible with you, you can follow along. And it says this, Hebrews 13:1. Keep on loving one another. Brothers, uh, keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were, all to, you were together with them in prison. And those who are mistreated as, you, as if you yourselves were suffering. I've been struggling with the reading uh, lately. I think that glasses might be coming my way. Um, do you... You know, I got the, I'm embracing the gray, gray in the beard, but I don't know about the glasses. I'll get the bifocals like my mother wears and sit here like this. Um, I don't know. I'm, uh, but I, let's focus. All right. Uh, Hebrew, here in the first three verses, it's just, it's, it's telling us about, again, all of the things that we should be kind of focusing our attention on. All of the things that give kind of more color and distinction to this idea of a sacrifice of praise. And he opens up by talking about how we should be treating one another. And, and I love the language here, and it's language that I think our, our church family can definitely embrace. Is he saying, you know, love one another like brothers and sisters. Love one another like family. And what a beautiful picture. And that's really why God calls us to be a part of the church family. This is the language that the scripture uses regularly over and over. And family has an interesting dynamic because family is something you stick with family whether or not it's something that benefits you or not. You stick with family and you're there for family even when it's difficult, hard, and sometimes even people rub you the wrong way. I know you're coming back from some summer vacations. I, I don't have to explain that point, right? I mean, but that's, that happens sometimes around family. And it even gives us some more of these things. It says, show hospitality. So, you know, like welcome people into your home, into your life, into your, you know, family. It talks about entertaining angels that I'm not even going to get into because I'm not quite even sure what is going on with that one. But um, it's an interesting thing is it's saying here that like when you 
when you're doing that, this is a spiritual thing that is taking place. I don't want to go down that road because that would get me off track. So, but, and continues on saying, even those people who are in prison, even the people who are suffering, even the people who are going through the worst and most difficult times in, your, in life, those are the people that you need to make sure that you're reaching out and loving them. Recognize and understand that this kind of love is not the kind of love that, that you're expecting something in return. It's not something that is going to benefit necessarily you in the long run. It's something that is pure and true, like, you know, a family member that is in need that you say, I'm there for you, and it doesn't even matter. I'm not, I'm not going to get anything back as a result. In fact, it will probably take me some time, energy, maybe even money to deal with that. In the coming, coming weeks, next week, we're going to be starting a series entitled Tough Love, and I'll preview it again today. But the reality is, is lots of people in this culture and world love to talk about love, 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 which is an incredible scriptural principle. But sometimes we forget to talk about the fact that love is really difficult. R- love is incredibly challenging. Love is something that takes a ton of work and effort and struggle and is hard. It's not just like Disney princess movies where you just show up and everything is wonderful and perfect. It's not. Love is very difficult. And it's probably the hardest thing to really pursue consistently and purely in your life is to do those things not expecting anything back. And so we will dig deep into that in the next couple of weeks. But it just opens up by saying, remember these basic things. That you better be treating each other right. Caring for one another. Treating each other like family. And engaging in that way. I always tell people, we have different classes here where we talk about the church. We have even a membership process and all these things. And sometimes people ask me, you know, what can we do to help the church? And I love that question. That's a great question we got lots of things that we can do. But let me tell you, the one, number one thing that you can do beyond anything else, love your neighbor. Love the people that live next door to you. Love your family in a profound way. Love those people around you. Everywhere you go, love people around you, and you're doing the work of God in an incredible way, way more than anything else that we could put on your to-do list. That is the work of the church is to demonstrate a love that most people cannot fathom or understand, the kind of love that shows hospitality to strangers, treats people that are not family members like they're family members, and goes and does stuff like visits people in prison and takes care of those who are mistreated. That is the kind of love that really, I mean, it's tough love. That's the kind of love that is is the work of the church. And is the work of the people of God. Continuing on in verse 4. It says this. Marriage should be honored by all. And the marriage bed kept pure. For God will judge the adulterer. And all the sexually immoral. Keep your lives free from the love of money. And be content with what you have. Because God has said. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Remember your leaders 
who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So this section really kind of talks about purity and talks about kind of this moral standard that stands the test of time over the course of years and years. And how, how powerful of a witness and testimony that is. And it talks, you know, specifically it mentions a couple of things. It's talking about, uh, you know, sexual fidelity and sexual immorality. And saying, make sure that you are, you're, you're following through on these things. Uh, make sure you're being pure in these ways. And then it talks about uh, something that trips up people a lot as well. Which is money. The love of money. And how that can be something that is a stumbling block, how that can be something that can become a consuming thing, an idol in our life, where we focus too much time, attention, effort on the pursuit of financial gain, and we miss the fact that, you know what, that's not what life is all about. And so it's saying, remember, remember to keep your lives free of that, and remember that you just, just, just trust God. In these areas of your life. And I think that's important for us to understand. And there's two of them that are mentioned. But there's a hundred that could have been mentioned. That's just talking about in these areas of your life. Trust God in these things. Trust God in these things. Trust that when God tells you to follow through on these things in this way. That it's going to be a benefit for your life. Trust God in those moral decisions that you have. You know. There's so many times where we might just like want to just come to our own conclusion on some of these things. We want to like go our own path with these things. The scripture is just reminding us that the God of the universe that saved you, the God of the universe that's in control, the God that will never leave you, will never forsake you. The Lord who is my helper, the one who makes sure that set this whole world in motion. Trust God with these things. So often it is hard for us to trust him on, on, on some of these difficult moral issues. And, and all of us have to reflect in our life sometimes is, you know, am I just deciding that, yeah, yeah, God can be in control of the oceans, the tides, the stars, the sky, he can be in control of all of that, but he can't be in control of some of those daily decisions that I make. It's silly, but we do that a lot. And we say that a lot. And, and, and it's just reminding us here that if you look at people's lives that have decided to fully give themselves over to God's, God, God's way of living, that have fully d decided to do that, it says... Those are the people, if you look at their lives, generation after generation, you'll see the blessing of God in their life. Look at their lives. Maybe there's people that you can admire and you can look to that you'd say, you know what, for, for 50 years they've been following God and they've been faithful and they, they've been like an example in that way. Look at their life. Look at the things that are surrounding them. Look at, the, look at how things have uh, like turned out for them. And you can get a model or a picture of what you hope to, hope to be in 20 or 30 years. And it says, look at those people. Look at how it turned out for them. And we follow in their footsteps. 
following their way of life. What a beautiful example that the scripture gives us over and over of, you know, generations of people that were either faithful and following God or generations of people that sometimes turned away from God. And we can look back and see like history of, of what, what the result of that was. It's giving us this warning, not as like, not as, you know, to, to turn the knife or make us feel uncomfortable or any of those like things that maybe we, we kind of get in our heads when we think about these issues that kind of being driven by guilt. It's saying, look, the God of the universe cares about you, is walking with you, wants to help you in your life. And if you follow down these ways, it's going to benefit you. It's going to keep you from harm. It's going to be something that is going to keep you close to the heart of God. And so be pure. Trust God in these things. Trust that it will work out even if you don't see it in this moment right now. And there is many times in life, and this is a really important part of faith. There's many, many times in life where you have to step forward and follow what God is telling you to do, even though you don't really necessarily agree with it or necessarily know what the outcome is going to be. It's really kind of a good definition of faith, isn't it? It's stepping out and believing what God says above my opinion, above my point of view in this matter. And it's saying, I'm going to have faith in you. I'm going to trust you in this area of my life. Even though, ah, that, that seems frustrating or difficult or hard. I'm going to trust you in this area of my life. And believe that it will benefit. Believe that it's going to be something that helps me in my life. And trust that it will work out. Let's continue on in verse 15. I'm sorry, verse 9. It says this. Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. It is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace, not by eating of eating ceremonial foods of which which is no benefit to those who do so. We have an altar from which those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat. The high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside the camp. So Jesus suffered outside the city gates to make people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that that is to come. This is kind of language and some of that kind of terminology and phrasing that makes more sense to those original hearers of this. That were, you know, uh, faithful Jewish Israelites that understood all kind of, you know, all of those uh, practices and sacrifices and those rituals that took place. Just let me give you the bullet point on that is just it's talking about don't be too good or think you're in too high of a place to deal with some of the suffering and trials that comes when you are a person of faith. Jesus dealt with really difficult things. And it also is talking about making sure that you're not getting caught up in peripheral matters, things that might distract you from what's most important, and also being distracted from the core of what the Bible says is, you know, the teaching of God. 
And all throughout Hebrews, it it gives us a good pathway to say, this is what you need to make sure you believe and have firmly in your mind. So it's warning us from getting kind of distracted by these things. Verse 15. Again, this is the verse we read at the top. It says this. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. The fruit of lips that openly profess his name. And do not forget to do good. And to share with others for such sacrifices, God is pleased. Have confidence in your leaders. Submit to their authority. Because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so their work may be a joy, not a burden. For that would be of no benefit to you. Pray for us. We are sure that we have clear conscience and desire to live honorably in every way. I particularly urge you to pray so that I may be restored to you soon. Some closing words that he gives. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Brothers and sisters, I urge you to bear with my words, word of exhortation. For in fact, I have written to you quite briefly. I want you to know that our brother Timothy has been released. If if he arrives soon, I will come with him to see you. Greet all your leaders and the Lord's people. Those from Italy send you their greetings. Grace be with you all. So some final words, thoughts, closing personal greetings. And um, you got to give yourself a hand right here because you just we just read the entire book of Hebrews all summer long. That was a tepid response. Um, uh, but but let, let, let's look at some of these closing things that, that the author talks about. And generally, he's talking about being peaceful. Being, you know, not too good for dealing with suffering and sacrifices that kind of opening section talks about. But then in those verses that we're, we're trying to focus in on, those sacrifice of praise verses, it talks about being good to others, sharing with others. For such sacrifices, God is pleased. Like just general goodness, general open-heartedness, general ability to like be there for one another. It doesn't take like a giant committee or a big thought process to just be a good, decent person to those around you. When there's an opportunity to do something, do it. Be a good person. Be kind-hearted. Be sharing. Don't be difficult to work with. Don't be a difficult person to be a neighbor. You know, just be generally one of these people that your life is a demonstration of the love of God. And when people come around you, they're excited to be around you because you generally, you're living that life. And it's a natural outflow of who you are. Is that my life is a sacrifice of praise. My life is about, you know, being hospitable, good, pure, sharing with others, all of these things. And it goes into a section to talking about uh, uh, submitting to the authority of leaders, which, of course, is, you know, the kind of language and terminology that's not that popular to submit to other people's authority. But it's generally an essential practice for anybody that's going to be peaceful. 
Anyone who is going to be somebody who is on the side of, you know, moving things forward in a positive way instead of a negative one. Not always just being a difficult person to be around. Always having a critique. Always having a judgment against others. It's, it's, I try to practice this. I am definitely, I definitely tend to be the type of person that is more critical than just kind of like easygoing. My wife is wonderfully easygoing. She's relaxed. She shows up. She gives people the benefit of the doubt. And I, I'm a little bit more critical. Um, you're all looking at me like, what, is he, what has he said about me to his wife? Nothing. No, 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 no. <laughs> not, not, not like that. But I tend to be kind of like, well, we could do it better than this. We could do this. We could do... I tend to be a little bit more like that. And she balances me out and is like, relax, dude. Stop stressing out and be, be easier to get along with. But it's talking generally... If we're not the type of people that is a joy for other people to be around, if we're a burden for other people, if we always like, always think maybe the worst of others, that's a terrible witness. That's a terrible picture of you know, being somebody that is representing God or giving your life as a sacrifice of praise. If there's somebody that you work with, somebody that has an authority over you, give them the benefit of the doubt. When they come in and they maybe don't greet you or maybe are a little short, uh, short with you or something like that. I'm saying this because I'm, I'm that kind of person that I can, I'm like, I got something to do. So, um, it, realize they're not, they're not personally trying to attack me. I'm, it's okay. I give them the benefit of the doubt. I, I'm not going to try to find a grudge to hold against somebody else. I'm going to be gracious. I'm going to look at other people and try to say, if there's any positive I can see in this, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. Of course, there's situations where it's difficult and it's challenging. But you should give that first opportunity and first chance to, to just be kind to other people. It, this, these verses are specifically also talking about authority in the church. And that's specifically what it's talking about. And again, these are not kind of popular type of topics that we deal with. But the scripture tells us that the community of faith is a structure. It's a structure for us, for our accountability, and it's a structure for us that we all need. Maybe as adults, we kind of think that we don't need any of that. We don't need to give an account for our lives to anybody else. But if you are a follower of Christ, you, you don't have a choice in this. One thing that we do, of course, is every Bible-believing church does, is we practice baptism. And we, when you are baptized, what it is, is it's not just a symbol of, you know what, I've accepted Christ and my sins are washed away, I'm good to go. That's not, that's not it. It's a symbol of saying, I am a part of now of this family. I'm accountable to this family. I come under the authority of this family. Now, this could be taken to extremes. But what we do as humble people that are seeking to follow God, and our hearts are soft, and we're living a life that is a sacrifice of praise, we open ourselves up to the reality that there's times that we need to be challenged. 
There's times that we need to be corrected. There's times where we're wrong and we need to be held accountable. There's times where we need to say sorry. There's times where other people maybe have a different opinion than us. And maybe they're in a position of leadership. And we say, okay, I'm still going to maintain my friendship and relationship in the community of faith. Even though I don't agree necessarily with that decision. I trust it. And I'm moving on. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to like be a difficult person. And so it is really important, like it says here, to be somebody that is on the side of uh, positively moving things forward, uh, on the side, uh, side of joy, not the side of being a burden. Because all it does if we're first a burden to those people or groups that we're a part of is it doesn't benefit you and it doesn't benefit anybody else. Let me tell you a, a, a little secret, Okay. A couple of little secrets. I've been around a lot of like leaders that run big organizations and things like that. And there are times when those people make decisions that, that they're not able to explain the answers or the reasons for those decisions. And it's really hard because sometimes people have to make decisions without giving away all of the information as to why they had to make that decision. And there's people that criticize them. And say, why did you do that? And they can't answer. Because it would be inappropriate. And it would be, it would be giving away information that is maybe confidential or personal or something like that. And it's one of the hardest things as, for a leader to just continually try to do things that is fair and helpful. And continually be shot in the back by arrows. And sometimes churches are a terrible place for things like that. And the scripture is speaking to that. Let me tell you another secret. Leaders make huge mistakes. That's true. Leaders make bad decisions sometimes. That is absolutely true. But God has still placed over us degrees of authority and people in places of leadership. And they will be accountable for their actions. And there's times leaders will make mistakes and make bad decisions. And there's, you know, of course there needs to be structure and accountability for those people we understand all of that. But the answer isn't, you know, if you want make one mistake, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to be a, your biggest problem in the world. I'm going to come after you. No, we should be cheering for and hoping good on people in authority. And I'll tell you, you know, people in this community, we're, we're cheering for the principles of these schools, Right? We're cheering for the people who are like our, our, our government leaders and people over authority over us. We're cheering for them and we want them to do well. And we know they're going to make mistakes and we may have strong disagreements with them. But we should be praying for them and we should try to, try to be somebody that helps, not somebody that is just always, always wanting to be a burden for everyone else around us. We shouldn't be those types of people because we're called to give our life as a sacrifice of praise. And as hard as that is, sometimes even in the, the, clim the critical climate that we live in, it's really, really hard as that is. The scripture is telling us, be a joy, not a burden. Pray for those people. And sometimes, yeah, there's, there's bad things that are going on in those places. And they will have to give an account for that. 
But sometimes you have to let it go and let God be the judge of those people in leadership. And, and, and you cannot be the judge of all those things. You still need to make sure you're a person of joy and you're a person that is offering a sacrifice of praise in those situations. If you have someone that is difficult in leadership over you, in some regard or some capacity, step number one, you know what it is? I'll give you a hint. Verse 18. Pray for them. Okay, that's step one. If, so, if there's something difficult in someone who has a leadership over you, step number one is pray for them. Okay? Before you say a critical word, before you, like, like send that email or, like, whatever it may be, the first step should be praying for them. And what prayer does in these instances is it reframes us, calms us down, and helps us look at situation through the eyes of God instead of necessarily what happens sometimes is maybe our emotion or anger or critical, critical eye. Is it first thing, pray. Pray for them and wish them well and hope that things turn around in these situations. Please do that for me. Because I'm going to make mistakes too. Please think about those things. Do that for people like me or other people that are in leadership positions. Pray for us. Okay? And that's step one. There's, there's time for criticism. There's time for accountability. And there's time for all of that. But hopefully it's always done with the spirit of giving our life as a sacrifice of praise. In which God is well pleased. So this book of Hebrews has given us so many different things. And I encourage you, maybe as, as we reflect on kind of these concluding words, maybe even to go back if you've been here with us and, and remember and reflect some of the things that it's shared with us. But the, the, the final you know, kind of thoughts it's giving us is think about that image. My life is a sacrifice of praise. My life is something that like... It's not like I'm showing up to church and I'm, I'm making this big sacrificial display for this one moment in time. I'm, bringing, I'm making this one big demonstration of, look at me, I sacrifice for this. Look at what I've done. Instead, it's saying, my life, my everyday, the mundane, day after day after day, my life is, is a song to God. Where, where God is looking at my life and seeing that day to day, I, I'm, I'm making peace with others. I'm loving others. I'm, I'm showing restraint sometimes. I'm being joyful. I'm, I'm submitting to other people's authority. My life is a picture overall of praise. We come and we gather and we sing worship songs and we praise and rightfully so. But we need to make sure... That every day our life is a beautiful song of praise, right? We need to make sure that every day when we're interacting with others, we're also praising God with how we speak to one another. With how we talk, with how, we, how we're walking along in our day-to-day -day life. We need to make sure that when we're doing those things, we're, God is looking down and saying, what a beautiful act of praise that is. I invite you just to join with me and take a moment to reflect on these words and, 
and pray your own prayers. So, God, I just pray you'd be with us. Thank you for this challenging book that just called us to go deeper, to think about these things clearer, to be firm on what we believe and follow through with them. And God, today, as we we looked at these concluding words in the book of Hebrews, help us to just have this lasting thought of our life being a sacrifice of praise. God, I can imagine as people go out throughout their week, if they live up to these virtues, what an impact it could make in our neighborhood, our community, our families, our schools. If, if the people in this room are going along and every day, their interactions with one another, the way that they live their life is just a beautiful song. How powerful, God. What a picture. So God, as we think about what are we sacrificing, what are we giving up, what is important to us, God, help our minds to go right away to a life of praise. I invite you right now to take a take a moment to offer your own prayers to God. Maybe there's something that stuck out at, at you. There was a big list of things that were mentioned in chapter 13. Challenges, difficult things. Then maybe you say, man, I've missed the mark. If that's so, cry out to God. Ask God to forgive you. God is faithful. God is gracious. He's right there beside you. He's walking beside you as even as you struggle along. So humble yourselves right now and say, God, I'm sorry. Forgive me. And God will show up. Go ahead and take a moment to offer your own prayers to God.